I'll translate that for you. I stand redeemed. Amen. I stand redeemed. I want to share with you a thought uh, this evening. Um, I think one of my favorite chapters of the Bible is John 21. And I believe that I could stay in it for a year. And it seems like every time I read it, God gives me a little something different out of it. And um, I've preached out of John 21 many times. Probably, honestly, I think I've probably preached out of John 21 more than any other chapter of the Bible. But I see different things, it seems, every time. So I want you to look at John 21, verse number 15 tonight. And I want to go along with the theme. It seems like uh, during the revival meeting, the, the whole theme was being closer to God and this morning as we were talking about the love of God and how we're to to love him the way he loves us and love others the way he loves us I want you to see in this portion of scripture in verse 15 the Bible said so when they had dined so the first thing I see in verse 15 is that that there was a there was a time of fellowship with the Lord uh, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon. He didn't call him Peter. He called him Simon, son of Jonas. And he asked him this question, Lovest thou me more than these? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my lambs. And I was thinking about Peter, and I would say that most of us probably identify with Peter more than any other disciple. I mean, when you think about the life, as we recap the life of Peter, he was a fisherman. Jesus uh, uses his boat. He, he tells Peter, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And Peter immediately follows him and is a, is a good picture of salvation that he was willing to leave everything and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And then as you follow the life of Peter, we see that he saw Jesus do many miracles. He saw that he was uh, different. Matter of fact, remember when he asked them, the disciples, who do men say that I am? They said, well, one of the prophets. And, you're, and they said, well, who do you say that I am? It was Peter that said, thou art the Christ. And he said, will you also go away? Peter said, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of life. And so we, we realize that Peter understood who Jesus was. We know that he saw Jesus walk on the water and that Peter himself stepped out of the boat and followed him in faith, at least for a short time, and walked on the water. We know that, um, that uh, Peter made the, uh, made the uh, proclamation that even though all the disciples would leave Jesus, he wouldn't. And then, of course, we know that, G, uh, that Peter denied the Lord three times. Well, here, three different times in John 21, Jesus asked him the same question, do you love me? And then we know that, that Peter, as, after he denied the Lord and uh, the Lord was resurrected, Peter saw the empty tomb. It was not hearsay for him. He laid his eyes on the empty tomb. He saw Jesus risen. He saw him in the, uh, in the room. So it was not like Peter had not experienced uh, who Jesus was as, a, as, a, uh, uh, as the Messiah on earth. He saw him uh, tell the disciples that he would be crucified, that he would be buried, that he'd rise again. He experienced the resurrection of Christ. He saw that Jesus was uh, uh, not like mere men, that he uh, visited with, the, with him in the upper room. And now in John 21... We know that Peter, in all of that, you would think that would convince Peter to, to be a follower of Christ. And now in John 21, first thing we see him do, he tells the other disciples, he said, I'm going fishing. I mean, imagine, just for a moment with me, you've experienced all of this in three years. And it's summed up with knowing that the one who said that he would die be buried and rise again, you have seen that with your own eyes. And now just not many days later, we see Peter who has totally left following Christ and said, I'm going to do my own thing. And I look at that and I think about me and I think about you. And what I'm trying to say is that 
It takes very little to get away from God. No, no matter how far down you've been with him, no matter how far down the road you've been with him and how much fellowship you've had with him, how much time, how much you've experienced God and experienced revival and experienced him doing miraculous things in your life and seen miracles and had intimacy. He was one of the ones, Brother Shane, that was uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration. He, had, he was intimate with the Lord. Remember when Jesus went up to the mountain to pray, he took the three with him. Peter was one of those. He was, he was the inner circle of fellowship with the Lord. And now in John 21, here's Peter basically walking away saying, I'm going back to my old life. Brother Foy, it tells me how feeble we really are. That yes, we have the completed word of God We've experienced some things in our church and you have individually where God's done some amazing things in your life. But very easily you and I could be in the same boat of John 21 walking away from the Lord and saying, listen, I, I, it was a good run while it lasted, but I'm going to go do my own thing. But I'm also glad the story doesn't end there. Because then we see Peter in the upper room we see the Holy Ghost of God falling on Peter. We see Peter preaching the greatest, maybe the greatest revival meeting that has ever taken place and writing part of the New Testament. And so what I'm saying is that wherever you are, you have to understand that if you're right where you've always been, you're, listen, man, I'll tell you what, I'm walking with God, everything's great, wonderful for now. If you've got storms in your life and God's allowed you to walk on top of your storm, praise God, that's a season of life. If you've experienced revival and resurrection like you've never thought you ever would, if you've experienced a, a, that mountaintop experience with God, hallelujah right now. But just in a few moments, everything can go from that to you walking away from God and saying, listen, I'm going back to the old ways. And it really comes down to this matter of love. It really comes down to, do you really love the Lord? Because that's what he's asking Peter right here. He's saying, do you love me? Lovest thou me? Right? And not some superficial love where we just talk about it. And that's really what Peter was saying. Yeah, you know I love you. Well, from what we've seen in his actions, there were seasons of love. But then there were seasons of actions that showed that he wasn't really that committed to Christ. And see, you may be the same way, and I may be the same way, but, but we have to understand that there has to be a time where you and I come face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ and let him examine us. And that's what he did in John 21, verse 15. He said, when they had dined, when they had dined, Jesus saith. And that's interesting to me because... Saith tells me that Jesus spoke, which also tells me it's the word of God. See, you're never gonna God's you're never going to allow God to examine you outside of the word of God. And let's be honest, when we're not where we need to be with God, those are the things we stay away from. We don't want to be in church, right? Don't want to hear the word of God preach. We don't want to study the word of God. Right? We don't want to know anything about it. We we like the Pop psychology, we like the, the lyrics of a song, we like, you know, whatever it is, but we do not want to spend time in the very thing that God tells us will examine us and is sharp as a two-edged sword. It will divide us because God word, God's word will do that very thing to us. And so Jesus saith, and notice he didn't say it to all the disciples, he got real personal with Peter. Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas. He, he's, he's letting us know from that that he intimately knows everything about Peter. And he knows everything about you. See, you, you think that there's things in your life that God, you're hiding from him that you're not, right? right. Peter, Peter, 
was embarrassed, right? Because he's in that fishing boat. And the Bible said he he put on his clothes. Now, I don't think Peter was completely naked, but there was a there was a sense of shame in the presence of God because he knew that he wasn't doing what God wanted him to do. See, if you don't have any of that shame in your life, if you don't have what we call conviction in your life, there's a problem because it shows that there has not been an intimacy with God to where you've allowed him access to your life. And if you're saved by the grace of God, there'll be some conviction when you're not living for God. There's no conviction. If if there is no uh, shame, no sorrow in you when you sin, there's a problem there. So the Bible goes on to say, son of Jonas. And here's what he asked him. Lovest thou me more than these? Now you and I know the Lord already knew that. He already knew the answer to that. So why was he asking Peter something that he already knew? Well, the same reason he asked us the very same thing. Because he wants us to examine ourselves and have the revelation that we aren't exactly what we think we are. Right, Peter, Peter is, is really the leader of this band of disciples and they took his lead. When he went fishing, guess where they went? They went fishing with him. So the Lord didn't single out all of them and say, listen boys, I want to know each one of you, do you love me? And, and so how many times have you sat in a service and you felt like the, the message was directed right to you? Right? You know what that is? That is... That is a personal, personal conviction. That is God personally dealing with you in your heart because he intimately knows him. And so I want, to, I want to look at three things in this verse that I think will help us tonight. Number one, I want you to see that he identifies him. He calls him Simon, son of Jonas. So when you and I get to the place that we allow the Lord to get personal with us, then he identifies in you. See, all the disciples did not have the same problem. As a matter of fact, later on, in verse 19, he says, Follow me, and Peter turning about, see if the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith, Lord, what shall this man do? So he wasn't dealing with, he wasn't dealing with John, he was dealing with Peter. And, and see there... Let me help you with something. You're never going to get any better, any closer to God until you let God identify your personal problem. One of, the, one of the detriments to growing in your relationship with God is comparison. Because you're either going to, most likely you're always going to compare yourself to someone who is farther away from God, Right? Well, if they're a Christian and they're doing that, I heard something today that, that Brother Jose, that, that um, man, I'll tell you what, that, that cut me to the core. Never confuse God's mercy with God's acceptance. Let me say it again. Never confuse God's mercy with God's acceptance. Well, God didn't do anything, so it must be all right. No, that's the mercy of God. See, God God is not standing over us with a whip. He's not standing over us with a lightning bolt, and every time we get out of line, beating you back into line. He's allowing mercy. He's a merciful God. He's long-suffering. And so a lot of times, if we're not discerning the Word of God, if we're not obeying the Word of God, we think that because God allows it, that God accepts it. And so here, this identity is personal. Listen, it's not a corporate relationship with Christ. We don't say, listen, we have a corporate, we say we have a personal relationship with Christ. It's me and him, right? It's not me and him and my wife. It's not me and him, my wife, my children. It's not me and him and my mother. It's not me and him and the church. It's me and him. If no one else has a personal relationship with Christ, you can And until you get personal with God, until it becomes more than religion, until it becomes something where it's you and him and you allow him access in your life to point his finger at you and say, here's your problem, then you'll never grow. And Peter automatically, like so many of us, yeah, but Lord, what about them? Right? Can I, let me help you. We must all 
stand before. You won't give an account for anybody but you. Let me tell you something, kids. You say, well, my mom and my daddy, we blame everything on mom and daddy. And I listen, when you, when kids, when you become parents, you'll realize you got it all figured out now. And uh, we're, I was telling our Sunday school class, I said, how many of you, and don't raise your hand, but before you had kids, you'd see other people's kids in church. You go, I'll tell you what, when I have kids, they're not going to act like that. Oh, yeah, they will. And all of us that already had kids are laughing at you. Because we remember your bold statement about how your kid wasn't going to do that and they do it ten times worse. Amen. Amen. Well, my kid does that. I'm going to spank them. Go ahead. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Right? right? Go ahead. I, on the way out, you're welcome to give me your bold prediction about what your children will never do. And I'll write it down and when they do it, I'm going to say, there you go. Right? Everybody's got this great idea of what everyone else should do until God gets in your kitchen. Right? But see, what everybody else is doing, it doesn't matter. Kids, you won't give an account for your parents. You'll give an account for you. Moms and dads, you won't give an account for your children. You'll give an account for you. Ma'am, you won't give an account for your husband. You'll give an account for you. And sir, you won't give an account for your wife. You'll get, and guess what? You can't go to the, the Lord on, on the, the day of judgment and say, guess what? Our church didn't do this. Well, that ain't up to you, praise God. Your personal relationship with Christ what you ought to be worried about. Amen. 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 So he identifies him personally. He calls him by name. And we like that when it benefits us, don't we? We like it when we're in the valley. We like it when we're going through storms and he calls our name. But when he calls us in that that occupation of, hey, I want to reveal something to you and I want to take some time to show you how you can be closer to me, then all of a sudden we go, well, wait a minute now, Lord, what about him? Right? He's supposed, to, he's supposed to be a Christian. He's not doing what he's supposed to. What about, what about, what about listen, all these uh, re- recovering fundamentalists I see running around here, all these, well, I, I grew up in a, Independent Fundamental Baptist Church, and it scarred me for life. There's some bad ones out there. That's why we call them independent. That's exactly right. So you, you better stop blaming everybody else for your walk with God and take responsibility. And that's what he's telling Peter. You, listen, you, you need to quit worrying about everybody else, and I'm dealing with you today, Peter. Man, the day I got saved, I don't know what God was doing to anybody else, but I knew what he was doing in my heart. Every time God, I've, I've drawn closer to God, listen, may I say this? I don't know what he's doing to anybody else. I don't look up and down the altar seeing who God's... I'm saying when, when you get alone with God and it's just you and him, he'll deal with you. So it was personal, but notice this, it was probing. The Lord didn't come to Peter and say, listen, Peter, now I know you've had a hard time and had a hard life and, you know, and I know you've made some mistakes, but he said, listen, he keeps digging in, right, and he's wanting to, to find out, from, and wants Peter to realize his infirmities and his problems so he can help him with it. Right. Till you are willing to ident- let God identify the problem and acknowledge it, you'll never fix it. I tell, I tell our staff, I don't care who's faulted. See, we're, we're so worried about asserting blame. Well, it's not my fault. It's the media guy's fault. It's not my fault. It's the piano player's fault. It's not my fault. Brother Jose's fault. Let me ask something. What does that solve? What well, makes me feel better because it's not my fault. But it doesn't fix the problem. See, I'm about fixing problems. I believe the Lord's about fixing problems. He doesn't, if he tells us in his word, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. What he's saying is, I don't care that you messed up. I want you to acknowledge it so we can fix it. Wonder what a church would be like if everybody quit blaming everybody else for everything. Just say, I got it. Right? I don't, it doesn't matter. I just, you ain't putting the blame on me. Who cares? I'm just going to get real for a little bit, okay? We get so petty about stuff 
because our ego gets bruised that nothing gets done. Right? We get so tore. Well, what my fault has happened? Well, who cares? You notice, have you noticed the whole political idea is blame the other guy? Right? I mean, nobody tells you how we're going to fix something. It's just like, well, what my fault? This guy did this. And if you put me in office, I'll fix it. How? I don't want problems. I don't know how you're going to do it. Give me some plans, man. Right? But we don't do that. We, we, it's easier to... It's easier to blame and not fix. God's not into blame. He's into fixing. You want your life fixed? You got to fess up, man. You got to say, you're right, Lord. It's, it's me. It's not, it's not my brother. It's not my sister. It's, it's me, oh, Lord. Right? So, so he's probing him, right? He's got personal. He doesn't say, guys. He says, he said, listen, Simon. You ever been there? Yes, sir. Man, I'll tell you what. You get, it, it, listen, in your Bible study time and you're reading that scripture and in your mind you're going, yep, Brother Johnny needs to hear that one. Mm, Brother Shane, that'd be good for him. Amen. You're missing it, friend. Because right. probably what God's trying to do is say, you need this, right? right? You need. But you know what we did? I don't want to read that stuff. I want to read the stuff where God tells me how wonderful I am. Can I help you with something? Listen to me, church. It ain't in there. That's why we don't read the Bible. It's not in there. Hey, you can read, you can read some self-help book, and some psycho book. And they, you're the wonder. You got to have all this self-confidence and self-love, and and it, you're you're the one most. You got to think yourself the most wonderful person. Well, all that's contrary to Scripture. All that's contrary to the Word of God. See, we got to think of Him as everything, and us as nothing. Amen. And so it's probing, but then it's penetrating. Look what he did. He didn't ask him one time. He said, lovest thou me? He said, I sure do. He said, lovest thou me? Can you see it? You know all things, Lord. Lovest thou me? Three times. How many times did Peter die? God is persistent in getting to the root of our problem if we let him. So in John 21, he identifies him, first of all, but then he inquires of him. Now, I want to, I again, I, I, I wanna, I'm going to take some liberty here. I don't feel like um, I'm reading this out of context. I'm just asking, maybe, okay? I'm not... I'm not dogmatically saying this. Here's the reason I say it. Remember this? Remember when, uh, remember when Jesus told Peter, he said, upon this rock I'll build my church? Well, we have this false doctrine. We don't. But the whole idea of Peter being the viker of the church is because People read that scripture and said Jesus was building his church on Peter. That's not what that scripture's saying. And so, but if you read it just like it is, that's what it looks like, right? And if you read some theologians, what they're saying is Jesus pointed to himself and said, Upon this rock I'll build this church, right? So, so wonder, wonder if this right here in in context of where they are. Again, think of Peter being a fisherman. He's left the Lord and gone back to what he knew, right? And something he enjoyed. And so in verse 15, he said, Lovest thou me more than these? Now first reading, we think, well, he's probably talking about the rest of the disciples. Maybe he is. I'm not saying he's not. But how does Peter know how much they love him? Right? And if we look at the evidence of love being an action word, 
And we see times in Peter's life where he showed much love for the Lord and other times his actions did not really prove that he loved the Lord. Could it possibly be that the Lord was looking at some other things? I mean, they're just been fishing, right? He, matter of fact, in verse 15, so when they had dined, they had just eaten fish. Part Peter brought fish in, but Jesus already had some on the grill. Could it, could it be that maybe Jesus was pointing at the... You love me more than these? Because what did he leave the Lord to do? To go fish. Well, you fishermen, don't get upset with me, please. It is a, it is a, it is a principle. Some of you looking at me funny. Maybe he is asking and inquiring of him, do you love me more than, than people, right? Because we do know that just a few verses before, Peter was not willing to stand up for the Lord when he was pressed by people. He's inquiring of him. In other words, what is, what is idolatrous in his heart? Because if he's asking him, if you love me more than these, what he's saying is, is there something else that has the throne of your heart? Or is your love for me greater in this case? Maybe he's looking at the disciples and saying, do you love me more than these? Right? Is your love that you say you have greater than these and even John the Beloved who the Lord loved? Do you love me more than they do? Maybe he is saying that, but they're people. Maybe, maybe he is looking at him and saying, do you love me more than those fish? Then you love that. Maybe he's saying, do you love me more than your profession? Because when Peter left the Lord, what did he go back and do? He didn't, he didn't go out and become a tent maker. He went back to the thing he knew, which was fishing. And, and In other words, what, what really has the throne of your heart tonight? Is it people? Is it a profession? Is it passion? I mean, Peter obviously loved to fish. That was his passion to do that. What is it in your life that's causing you not to love the Lord like you should? I mean, he didn't say, didn't tell Peter they didn't love him at all. He knew his heart. He knew that there was a place in his heart for the Lord, but he was not consumed with the Lord. And many of us are the same boat, are we not? I mean, moms and dads, are, do, do your children have first place in your life? I love, I love my children more than anything in the world. You're wrong. Don't tell me I'm wrong. The Lord gave me these children. They're the most important thing. Then you're wrong. I love my kids. They're not the most important thing. I love my husband my wife more than anything in the world. I, they're the greatest gift God's ever given me. The greatest gift God ever gave you was Jesus Christ. If you love your spouse more than you love the Lord, you're wrong. Amen. Amen. Good preaching. Yes, sir. Now, I, know, I know that's not popular, but it's true. Amen. Now, do I believe this? If you love the Lord like you're supposed to, you'll love your wife and your kids more than you ever could any other way? Absolutely. Amen. But that's not what you said. You said, I love them more than anything. Then you're wrong. You get mad and walk out and say, well, he ain't going to tell me how I'm go ahead. But that's what, that's what he's asking Peter. How much do you love me? You love more than your profession? Oh, I love Jesus more than Well, then how come you're so hair-lipped and won't say anything when you get to work about Jesus? Well, we have a policy. So they can cuss, talk about anything that blasphemes God, but you can't mention his name. Right? Why is it your job gets in the way of you serving the Lord? 
Well, they pay my, that, listen preacher, now they pay my bills. Then you know what you are? You're a servant to them. If God puts you there, you ought to stay there. Amen. You ought to stay there. But, but they're not your master. He is. And boy, didn't we see this? Get mad at me if you want to. A few years ago, if you don't take this shot, you're fired. I got to have that. I got to keep my benefits. Well, how big's your God? Huh? I mean, if you didn't have an issue with it, fine. But don't, don't come. I had people come to me, I need a religious exemption. Why? I don't agree with it, but if I don't, if I don't take it, they're going to fire me. Got quiet, didn't it? You know why? Because we don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to be uncomfortable. Will you tell me I ought to lose my house? Nope. I'm saying you ought to trust God. Right? What are they going to, what are they going to tell you? What, what are you going to do when they tell you you can't, if you even mention God at work, well, you're going, we'll fire you. Well, I guess I won't mention God. So you, you're, it's okay for all them people you work with to go to hell. Well, that's easy for you to say, preacher. You got a job at church. I didn't always have a job at church. But see, I got put in a position, either you pastor the church or you keep your job, but you can't do both. Well, I don't know if you understood exactly which one I chose. How many times, I'll give you another example, ready for this? You know how many times I've heard people, well, preacher, uh, I got transferred to so-and-so state. Could you help me find a good church? Well, if there's not one, you still going to go? Well, yeah, it's my job. That's my job. That's a promotion, man. I'm getting more money, right? I'm moving up the ladder. But you're willing to die spiritually so you move up the ladder. Okay. I better move on, Brother Jose. Your passion. What's your passion? I told you, I mean, hey, you're here tonight. You can say amen. There are people, I promise you, and I'm hoping not in our church, but I know, well, Super Bowl, can't, yeah, going to be, can't, I can't miss Super Bowl. Who cares? It's a ball game. Man, I love, I love college football. I love college basketball. But I ain't going to miss church to, Might call it off early, but I'm <laughs> depends on what game it is. No. What's your passion? Well, my kids, they play in this travel ball, and man, I mean, they love it, and they're just so good at it. And if they play, they're going to get a scholarship, and then they're going to go play professional baseball. Can I help you? No, they're not. You know the amount of people play professional baseball? You're more likely to win the lottery. Yeah, but the coach said, let me ask something. What is the one thing you got to have to play travel, baseball, and basketball? Money. If your kid was so good, they'd let him play for free, wouldn't they? They were such an asset to the team, they couldn't win without them. You know what they do? Hey, we need you bad enough. We ain't going to make you pay. And so I know people, listen, they love the Lord and they love Jesus and everything until their kids get right up to about the time they can do some travel ball. Then all of a sudden, you know what happens? Well, I don't want to force them to go to church. 
But some people's fishing, hunting, golf, whatever. Right? And I ain't talking about just showing up for church, man. Listen, you won't spend time in the Word of God because your passion is watching Netflix or on Facebook or whatever. Whatever it is, what is your passion that is tearing you away from your walk with God? That's what he's asking him. Right? And it may be so many different things. It may be uh, football, basketball, golf, shopping, job. It may be whatever. Your kids, your grandkids, traveling. Listen, it's amazing to me. Brother, you know what? People retire and it's like, well, I'm, I, I, my dream in life is when I retire, I just want to travel. Boy, that sounds good. Except for the fact you, what are you saying? When you retire at 67, you ain't ever going to church ever again? Right? No, we're just going to go to church wherever we are. What if where you are don't have church? Well, we just, we'll watch it on TV. I thought the, I thought the whole value of a local body of believers, as we learned this morning, was to encourage each other. Well, it's hard to do that if you don't have a local body of believers. Right? My passion. I just, I just want to. When I make enough money, man, I just want to travel. Okay. How many people you went to the Lord while you travel? Well, I don't have anywhere to send them to church. If I get. What's your passion? It ought to be pursuing Christ. He's inquiring of him. Three times he asks him. And then finally he instructs him. Peter said, yeah, you know I love you. He saith unto him in verse uh, 16, or verse 15, he said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that, that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. Verse 16, he saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou? He's like, all right, you got me. And it grieved him. Lovest thou me? And he said, Lord, thou knowest all things. He's finally getting it. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. So, so what's he... What's he saying? What's he instructing him to do? Well, first of all, understand that this instruction came with, first of all, communion. Verse 15, when they had dined. Well, if he wasn't with the Lord, he couldn't instruct him. And I wonder if maybe part of our problem with God not instructing us is we don't spend enough time with him to probe in on what's going on to where he can instruct us. So there was a communion that took place for him to instruct him. But then there was a compassion. Notice what he told him to do. Feed my lambs. That's the first thing he said, was it not? Well, lamb is a sheep, but it is a small sheep. Well, there's a more of a compassion and tenderness that has to take place for small sheep, correct? So he's telling Peter, I need you to have compassion for those that are, that are following me that aren't as strong as you are as where they should be, right? In other words, part of, part of the way we show the Lord we love him is not tell him, but to find others that need uh, some help along the journey and help them grow. Several years ago, a young preacher in our church, he was doing a phenomenal job with children's ministry. I mean, phenomenal job. And he said, came to me, he said, preacher, he said, I think I'm leaving the church. I said, why? He said, well, he said, I feel like the Lord wants me to do more. I said, okay, why? He said, well, I was reading John 21. And he said, you know, Jesus told Peter, he said, feed my sheep. And he said, I feel like I need to be out there feeding sheep. I said, well, didn't the first time he told him to feed the lambs? He said, he kind of looked at me and I said, aren't lambs? Small sheep? He said, and I said, so really what you were doing is feeding the small sheep down there, but they weren't good enough for you. You wanted to feed the bigger sheep. It's all right to feed small sheep because guess what? They grow up to be bigger sheep. 
So you in the church, as you're feeding small sheep. You don't feel like you're doing something. You're feeding the lambs. May I say this? You're, you're doing a great service for the Lord. Don't let the devil discourage you saying, well, you're just not doing enough. You're not, you're not leading the adult choir. You're not, you're, not, uh, you know, you're not preaching in the big church or you're not teaching adult Sunday school. If you're, it, hey, he told Peter, first of all, he said, feed my lambs. They, they need a little extra tender care. They need compassion, right? Then he goes on to tell him to do something else. He said, then he says, feed my sheep. And, and sheep... That shepherd has to be in with the sheep, right? And so it, it's a care. Care about my sheep's what he's saying. An under shepherd should smell like sheep, right? I, I don't want to. I don't want to be a pastor. But I, after church, I run get my car, run to the house because I don't want to be around the sheep. I want to smell like sheep, right? A shepherd that doesn't smell like sheep is not a very good shepherd, right? You got, you got to spend some time with the sheep. And so here he's telling Peter, he said, look, I want you to have compassion on the, the small ones or the, the tender ones, but then I want you to, I want you to, uh, uh, to also... Uh, care for the, the larger ones. I want you to correct. A part of caring for people is correcting. Right. I'm not talking about judging. I'm not judging. It's correcting, right? As a, as a brother or sister in Christ, I'll be able to come to you or, or you go to another brother and say, listen, here's just something I've noticed. I'm not trying to get in your business, but I'm concerned. I've been praying for you. Uh, can we go out for breakfast and let's talk? Right? right. Yeah. I didn't go over well either. Microphone on. Well, I, don't, I don't have time. I don't, I don't have time. Then you got too much going on. Right? Go ahead, right? To, to, to do what God wants us to do, we have to care for each other. Amen. Right? Yes, Funny to me. Just interesting to me. Right? I've had people get upset and they're like, I was sick and the preacher didn't call me. But 55 people from the church called you. That ought to be enough, right? 56 calls us the pastor, doesn't matter. Brother Jimmy called you. Deacon called you. Yeah, but the pastor didn't call me. Right? And may I say this? Most likely if you call me, I don't answer, right, especially in the morning. Right. You say, preacher ought to be on call 24 hours a day. Well, if it's an emergency, here's what I do. Call Brother Eddie, he's a deacon. <laughs> right? Amen. Come on, I need more amens than that. <laughs> no, nah, but... Uh, if it's an emergency, fine. But then sometimes people go, well, I tried to get a hold of pastor. He didn't answer my call. Well, let me ask you this. Would you rather have me praying, studying God's word so I can feed you, or you want me to be a telephone operator? Right? If somebody else can fix your problem, let's let them fix your problem. Right? Amen. You remember Moses? He was doing all this stuff. Boom, boom, boom. Father-in-law comes in and says, Moses, hold on. He said, you're doing, exactly, you're doing too much. There's other people that can handle these smaller matters. And you handle the bigger matters that they can't handle because the way you're doing it's not good for you and it's not good for them. Right? So that's. But the flip side of that, Brother Foy, is as a pastor, you got to be careful that you don't get so isolated from the sheep that you don't smell like them anymore. 
So now you know how to pray for your pastor. Give him wisdom, right? Right? So here's Peter. Jesus said, lovest thou me? He said, you know I do. Just like we do, right? I ask you a spiritual question automatically. You know the right answer. Peter knew the exact right answer he was supposed to say. Problem was, he was dealing with somebody that knew his heart better than he did. We get in the Bible and we'll see something and we'll go, yep, that ain't me. And the Lord said, mm, yes, it is. That's Brother Johnny and that's Brother, that ain't me. That's Brother Matt, that ain't me. You know, Lord, I love you. That's what Peter was saying. You know I love you that first time. He said, feed my, feed my lambs. I can hear Peter now. I got that. He said, Peter, you love me? Sure I do. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? This time he knew the Lord knew something was going on. And it grieved him. Because he knew, he knew the Lord knew something about him he didn't know about himself. Now, buddy, when you get there, that's when God can do some business for you. When you're willing to say, God, you know something about me I don't even know myself, right? Then now we can say, okay, Lord, show me, right? Now we can say, Lord, you show me what I don't even know about myself because if I want to, I want to get closer to you, and so therefore, since I don't know it, the Spirit of God has got to reveal it to me, and now I'll deal with it. So here's what I want to say to you in closing. His question was this. Lovest thou me? Here's my question. If he asked you that, automatically you're saying, yes. That's what Peter said. But if he examined you like he did Peter, would he find anything different than he found in Peter? Because I, honestly, I was telling her Sunday school class this past week, how many, how many are like this? So this year, I had, I had some goals, studying my Bible, praying. I mean, Brother Matt, I was boom, boom, boom. <laughs> It was good too. It wasn't. It wasn't just check off. It was spending time with God. And he was speaking to me. Amen. Then Saturday, I got sick and got up. And I'm like, oh, I ain't gonna make it today, Lord. Sunday, I got up. Mm -mm. Today is not the day. Before I knew it, it was yesterday. Man, I hadn't opened my Bible all week. <gasps> Preacher? Transparent. I hadn't prayed all week. Man, you think you think it'd be I'd be on my face praying, but it, mm -mm, I was more consumed what was going on. And this thought creeped in my brain. Well, you blew it. You blew it, right? Your streak is over. Gotcha. Not going to have perfect attendance on your Bible reading this year, pal. That's what the devil was putting in my mind. And Saturday morning I got up. Same thing. And finally, I just said, you know what? Start over. Just start over. It had been worse to keep going in the direction I was going instead of just saying, I blew it. <laughs> you know what I figured out? God still loves me. And he didn't say, well, you blew it this year, pal. Maybe next year I could start right where I left off. And God, so I start again. Right? Start again. It's easy to, to say, I love you. 
the devil will do all he can to break that fellowship, right? And you may be here tonight and say, I'm just not where I need to be with God. I don't read my Bible, don't pray. I'm embarrassed. Well, can I help you with something? Your pastor just stood up in front of you tonight and admitted, I didn't read my Bible all week. Now you say, well, I beat him. Well, good. Then you ought to feel good and say, well, I ain't as bad as preacher is, right? Then come on up and just, wherever you are, it doesn't matter. Lord didn't say, well, Peter, you know what? You're done, pal. You didn't give me the right answers, right? You, you said it with your mouth, but it, in your heart you weren't there. So you, I'm done with you, wiping you out. To, you're out of the will of God forever. Nope. He's a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances. But you've got to recognize it. And finally, that third time, I think Peter got it, don't you? At least to a degree. And sure, a few verses later, he said, what about that guy? Man, God probed in there deep. Mm. Now, I, don't, I can't tell you, you. You can compare yourself to anybody you want to. But it's not going to help you. Peter had to personally do business with God. And when he did, guess what? Pentecost. Even after Pentecost, you know what, brother? He still messed up. He still got some things wrong. But God entrusted him to write part of the New Testament. God's not done with you. You just have to say, lovest thou me? Yes, Lord, and if I don't love you like I should, if you'll show me where, I'll work on it. That's where we are tonight. Let's stand together. Amen. Let's bow our heads tonight. The altar's open. Don't quit. That's the key. Just don't 